take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 18, verses 24 through 28. We have officially, at this point, wrapped up Paul's second missionary journey, and Luke is now giving us a, an introduction to the third missionary journey. Uh, he has uh, introduced Ephesus to us here. Um, actually, he introduced Ephesus to us last week in the last passage that we studied, and we're, we're there again talking about Ephesus, and that's just setting Paul up to go take his third missionary journey that honestly wasn't much of a journey. He went and sat for uh, about two years or so in Ephesus and had a great ministry, and we'll talk about that for, for weeks to come as we move through chapters 19 and 20. But uh, we're looking at this passage on discipleship. Uh, it wasn't just Paul, that's the title, and we see that here, and, and it, it appears that, that that is one of the purposes of Luke sharing this, is that it wasn't just Paul going to the world. Now, you, you're going to see this logo a lot in the coming months. Uh, this is the logo that's on the t-shirt uh, that, that is for sale. You see that in your bulletin. Uh, any money we make off of that, and we don't make a whole lot, but any money we do make off of those shirts uh, goes to missions, goes to support our mission trips, actually, is, is what that's going to. But that logo is going to show up a lot. See, you're your, your staff have been talking about our need as a church, as a staff, as individuals, uh, for better discipleship for months. And we've been talking about this. How do we do it? What do we do? How, how can we encourage it? How can we lead it? How can we uh, present opportunities for better discipleship? And we, we have an idea that we are going to be starting this fall. I think I hinted at that last week. I'm hinting again this week. Uh, rather than a, a book study, a workbook that you go home and, and do, we will have uh, possibly some guided questions, but it will be just Scripture. And that's not a bad thing. I don't mean just, oh, well, so it's going to be Scripture. No, it'll be just Scripture. And you will read uh, five chapters or so. We haven't gotten it all nailed down, but five chapters or so from uh, assigned books of the Bible. I think we're talking about doing sort of a chronological uh, study of the New Testament um, for about a year. This will, uh, that will be our focus, and then we'll move on to something else. But it will be intentional scriptural discipleship, uh, groups getting together and, and, and talking about scripture, and hopefully not just doing it this one hour, because that's, that's not really discipleship. That's a program, and that's not what we're about right now we're not trying to figure out a new program we're trying to figure out a way to disciple each other so we've been talking about this for a while but but just to kind of give you some background of how we got here this Sunday morning and all those coincidences that aren't coincidences that, that are God working out for a particular plan and a uh, for a particular purpose we staff have been talking about this for a while I knew last week if you remember in the bulletin that it said I was going to preach uh, verses 18 through 28, and then I, I cut it in half because I knew this section was about discipleship. I knew that last week. I said, okay, then we need to split that. It's, 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 there's more there than we can do 
in one service. So I knew that was coming, but unrelated to that, at least in my mind, was this logo for a t-shirt that I was wanting to sell for uh, fundraising for our mission trips. And uh, Etta and I worked on the logo. I knew kind of what I wanted, this go, grow idea, because uh, we needed to do both. So uh, I, we made this uh, t-shirt. And then Thursday, as I really began to drill down into the message, I realized, wait a minute, this, this passage, is turns out, uh, is all about going and growing. It is a go-grow passage. As a matter of fact, if you could see uh, my section of this, it's underlined with uh, a few words, grow, written next to it. And then I underlined some more and wrote go next to that. And then grow and go and grow, go, grow, go, grow, go, go, grow. It's, that's just the way this passage works. And you're going to see that in the message this morning. So the message and the logo went together. And, and I, I didn't plan that until Thursday. And then uh, I found out this morning what our Sunday school lesson was on. First, uh, Second uh, Timothy uh, 2, 1 through something and 3 something else. Uh, it was about mentor relationships. It was about discipleship. And then somebody in our Sunday school class, who was it? Dawn, I think, said, that's the past. No, it wasn't Dawn. Who was it? I'm not going to remember now. Somebody said, I read that passage last night. Oh, yeah, no, it was Sinetra. That's who it was. There we go. I knew I'd remember someday. Uh, it was Sinetra before, oh, this passage you're preaching on, that's what I read last night. So God must have something, you know, that's, that's exactly right. That, that's the way I see it too. These, these things come together so regularly that God is doing something. He's got a message for us. He has something for us to hear. And this morning I think it's that go grow. Now go grow, that's two sides of the same coin. We can't separate the two. It's, it's why we came up with the logo the way we did. It's, it's two words, but it's one word. It's one logo, but it's separated. It, 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 as best as we could come up with, it captures this idea that going and growing are two sides of the same coin. There's not one that happens first and then one that happens second. They, they both are supposed to happen at the same time. If, you, if you've been keeping up with our uh, three circles and, and paying attention to the, the, the picture when I go through it, that, that we begin with God's design, but it ends up after we go through sin and, and brokenness and, and repentance and, and the gospel, and, and we, uh, we, we return and pursue God's design, and we see that it's just a, it's a circle once we get to God's design, what are we doing? We are going out and we're sharing the gospel with others that are broken. And, and we see the, the go, grow idea even in our three circles. And everything our church does should contribute to going or growing. It doesn't matter what we do, whether it's a fellowship that we do. The goal of that is to go to maybe in that case to invite some people who aren't believers into our church or to grow as individuals as we fellowship together as a church we sharpen each other and we disciple each other everything we do uh, should contribute to it we we do that as a staff with each other throughout the week usually it's Tom or Amy one telling me hey Michael you need to do this I don't want to but you should it would be best and uh, okay fine uh, that's how we disciple each other in, in staff meetings uh, during the week. We grow with each other. And Apollos, and even 
Priscilla and Aquila, it was a wonderful example of go, grow. Priscilla and Aquila were missionaries due to the discipleship of Paul. They met, we saw uh, last week, in uh, Corinth, or actually, not last week, in the past few weeks. They met in Corinth because of their shared job, realized they were believers, they, they were all believers, and, and now Priscilla and Aquila are missionaries from Corinth to, uh, to Ephesus. Paul was a missionary and grew into, because he was discipled by Ananias soon after his, uh, the scales fell off of his eyes. Barnabas very likely did a, had, a, had a discipling relationship with Paul. We, we see as we read through Acts that it was Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas, Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul, until suddenly it was Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas. And that was the point where the, the student became the teacher. And, and while Acts follows Paul nearly exclusively, we're, we're following this thread that we began early in Acts uh, of following Paul on his missionary journeys. There's a lot of mission that Paul was not involved with. And, and Luke will give us these little off-ramps and say, all right, right here, somebody else went and did the mission. And over here, somebody else went and did the mission. And, and for us, narratively, the, that off-ramp hits a, a, a roadblock. It doesn't go anywhere, it just, or we can't see where it goes. And, and it just, we just know that it does, and maybe we hear about it later on. Uh, uh, Rome, for example, Paul writes to them in his letter. He, he'd never been there, but there was a thriving church in Rome. How'd that get there? We're going to talk about Alexandria a little bit, talking about Apollos. It had a thriving church. How did that church get to Alexandria? Well, it wasn't Paul. There, was, there were others who were involved in this. And then there were other churches that he was indirectly involved in himself through discipleship. Epaphras is one of them that he mentions in, I believe, uh, 1 Timothy, if I'm not mistaken. I think I am. It's Colossians. Um, who did work, and, and we read other places, and it, it, it appears that he was in a particular area planting church. He had spent time with Paul, and then he went out and planted churches and others. So we, we see this over and over and over again, but here in this passage, we have a great narrative picture of discipleship, of going and growing at the same time. Read it with me, Acts 18, verses 24 through 28. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native Alexandrian, an eloquent man who was competent in the use of scriptures, arrived in Ephesus. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately about Jesus, although he knew only John's baptism. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. After, Pris uh, after Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. When he wanted to cross over to Achaia, the brothers and sisters wrote to the disciples to welcome him. After he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating through the scripture that Jesus is the Messiah. First, and this is the way I outlined the passage, just go, uh, grow, go, grow, go. The first one we come to is grow. Acts uh, 18, 24 through 25, part of 24, part of 25. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, an eloquent man who was competent in the use of the scriptures, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. That should scream discipleship to us. That should scream grow 
to us. Now, Alexandria was a major city. Uh, it was about, about one-fifth Jewish, probably. Uh, there, was, there were five quarters, five districts of the city, and, and one of the districts and part of another one were almost complete. One district was completely Jewish, and another one was partly Jewish, so probably about one-fifth of the population. It was an intellectual hub. If you, uh, there was a, a tremendous library in Alexandria that had incredible works of antiquities when it was around, and it was around oh, 2,000 years ago. I'm not sure when it burned. Somebody smarter than me can, uh, can tell me that later on. Uh, but it, it, it held incredible works of, of, of thought and philosophy and knowledge, and it burned, and, and all that stuff was lost. But this was a, an educational hub, an intellectual hub. And here we have this uh, man named Apollos, a Jew from that quarter, he was eloquent, it says. He was competent in the use of scriptures. I mean, this is talking about his knowledge here. He was a good speaker. As a matter of fact, there are some who believe that Apollos wrote the book of Hebrews because the Greek, the grammar is so beautiful. It's such a, a perfect, nearly, work of uh, Greek literature that they think only somebody like Apollos that we know of uh, could have written it because he was that he, he was just that good he's that's the the kinds of words that are used here I mean we would we would compare him to uh, the great orators of our day I, I think of Ronald Reagan and his ability to give a speech but I also think of in the uh, theological realm C.S. Lewis and his ability to, ability to explain uh, deeper issues of the faith in a way that well, he could write a children's book about it, and, and we could get it. Um, just an incredible guy. And we, ask, we might ask, how was he evangelized? Well, we don't know. We, we, we don't know what happened here. Was this a result of uh, the stoning of, of Stephen? Uh, when, when believers scattered? Um, probably not, uh, because he didn't know about the Holy Spirit. He didn't know about any baptism but John's. John's baptism was uh, be baptized to repent of your sins, to show your repentance, but not baptized in the name of Jesus Christ or the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost as we, as we baptize now. So he didn't understand that, and if it had been a result of Stephen and that group uh, leaving Jerusalem, then he would probably have gotten that. This is likely uh, a result of post- Passover, going home. Uh, he, after Jesus was crucified, and he rose from the grave, and he appeared to people, and the message got out, and like the guys on the road to Emmaus that he appeared to, and those sorts of things, and it says that he appeared to over 500 other people. It could have been that, that Apollos was in Jerusalem, and whether Jesus appeared to him or not, it's immaterial. He got the message that the Messiah had come, and he proved it by rising from the grave so he went home to Alexandria and either he or others or both started a church started a, a believing community that they taught about Jesus but they didn't have the whole story yet the whole story hadn't gotten to them but anytime let me back up this week in artisan week I didn't teach anything because I'm not competent in anything. 
at least not artisan things. I can teach you to make pancakes, you know, I can do that. Uh, but that, that's, that's about it. I can maybe fry chicken and some biscuits. So I wouldn't do great in the cooking class. I'm horrible at woodworking. Um, uh, that's a, a different realm from me. I don't have a competency like that. But how do you get a competency? Uh, I marvel at Ken Tilton's work on these stumps, uh, these logs that he carves. Because as I understand it, you just picked it up one day and said, I, I want to try this. And now he creates incredible, I, I, if you were here for Bible school, I didn't tell him I was going to do this, and I'm not meaning to embarrass you, but if you were here for Bible school, there was a, uh, a carved monkey up here. Was it up here, Amy? There was a carved monkey and like a, a tiki sort of thing. Uh, Ken carved them both. I thought they were bought, when, it, when I saw them coming down, I thought they were plastic, bought at Hobby Lobby kind of thing. And he, he said, no, well, I, I carved those. Very humbly, very quietly. And I'm like, we should have had a sign on that. He's competent. He can do those things. My point, to be competent at anything, you've got to spend time with it. I imagine his first creations weren't as uh, polished as his final creations. I, and I would think probably each one is getting a little more uh, polished. Apollos spent time in the scriptures. He was competent in the use of the scriptures because he had been discipled, he had studied, he had spent time in the scriptures. That's how we get competency in the scriptures. I will never be a competent mechanic. I have no desire to spend time doing that. I'm going to go to Justin Salton and say, hey, can you help me with my car? I mean, I can do a few basic things, but I am not what you would call competent in it, and I won't. Those things come by spending time with it. But every believer should be competent in the Scriptures. This is not for a select few. It's not for people who study. It's not for people who like to read. It's for every believer. I, I read a, a study this week that said the number one indicator of a believer's willingness or potential to share the gospel, the number one indicator of whether a believer will attend church regularly, the number one indicator of whether a believer will tithe, a number, the number one indicator of basically any basic Christian competency is scripture reading. They can, they can uh, predict what you will do as a believer based on how much time you spend in the Word of God. And it's, it's across the board. You do that by discipleship and study. Apollos grew, but he also went. That was our grow, here's our go. Verses 24 and 20, through 26, uh, again, parts. Now a Jew named Apollos arrived in Ephesus. And being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately about Jesus. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. Apollos got the go part. We have no clue why he was in Ephesus. It could be that he was doing something like uh, Aquila and Priscilla were doing. Maybe he was starting a business. Maybe he was... Um, had, had business affairs and 
in that day, you didn't just take a business trip that lasted a couple of days. If you had to go somewhere, especially from Alexandria to Ephesus, you went for a long period of time. But we, we don't know why he was there. We just know what he did while he was there. It tells us that he went to the synagogue. He spoke and taught accurately about Jesus. So the, the division of those two... He was speaking and teaching accurately about Jesus. We get the idea that he was probably meeting with Ephesian believers and also going to the synagogue to evangelize those who had not heard the gospel or had heard it but had not yet responded. We know he did that while he was there. The question then becomes, well, it's not a question really. I think it gets us to Matthew 28, 19. We, sit, we read that and we translate it, and even, even my translation says, go therefore into the nations. The tense of that verb in Greek, and I know you've heard this before, has not the idea of the imperative, you are sitting, now go somewhere, and, and that could be it, that, and we do that with missionaries, but the tense of that verb implies as you are going. And it appears that's what Apollos did. It certainly looks like that's what Priscilla and Aquila did. As they were going about their business, as they were opening a franchise in Corinth, as they were doing the work that earned them money, they also shared the gospel. Apollos, as he was going, shared the gospel. As he did the things that he would normally do, he was a witness for Christ. As he did the things he normally did, he discipled and was discipled. Go, Apollos. But he came back to grow. 1826. After Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. Well, what are we talking about? He, we just said right in, uh, top uh, above that, he only knew John's baptism. Remember, he, he had part of the story and not the whole story. His knowledge was incomplete. He didn't know uh, some what we would say are basic things about the faith. Uh, he, he didn't understand may not have ever even heard of the Holy Spirit at this point. But notice, he was still already going. All he needed to know was, Jesus saved me. The Messiah that we've been waiting for has come. He was crucified, he was buried, he rose on the third day. What is our gospel message? Our gospel message, uh, our basic gospel message to share with the lost is not... Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Our, our message, our basic message of the gospel is trust Jesus and repent of your sins. And then we are to disciple them and grow them. You don't have to know even close to everything to make disciples. Every person in here can disciple someone. You have enough biblical knowledge if you've spent any time in church to disciple, to make a disciple. If you know why you're saved, you can tell someone else how to be saved. You don't have to have, it's a great tool, and we encourage you to come and, and learn how to do it, but you don't have to have three circles. You don't have to have the Roman road. You don't have to have 
faith evangelism. You don't have to have the four spiritual laws. You don't have to have Christian witness training. You don't have to have uh, evangelism explosion. You don't have to have uh, fish. You don't. Am I missing any? Um, uh, you don't have to have an evangel cube. You, you don't have to have those things. If you are a believer, you know everything you need to know to make disciples. That's all you need. Apollos didn't even know about the Holy Spirit. And he's out there making disciples. Well, how could he do that, Michael? How, you can't be saved without the Holy Spirit. That, that is uh, a true statement, I think. Uh, but we don't know that he didn't have the Holy Spirit. He just didn't know what the Holy Spirit was. I believe, and, and there are debates on this, there are those that will say he was not a believer yet. He was not redeemed. He, was, he, he had a good head knowledge, but he was not yet born again. Uh, and they have good, good interpretive reasons for that. I disagree. I think he was. I think he was a saved individual, not fully discipled yet. Because again, we don't explain the Holy Spirit normally when we're sharing the gospel with someone. That's just not part of what we do. Again, it is a part of discipleship, but we don't go to them and say, now, here's some things you need to understand before you can get saved. That sounds a lot like what the, the Judaizers were doing in Galatia that Paul wrote an entire letter to. Here's some things you need to understand and do before you get saved. No, all you need to understand to be saved is that you are a great sinner and Jesus is a great savior and by his great grace, you can be made whole. That's salvation. That's what you need to know in order to be saved. Apollos was post-resurrection. He, he came after Jesus rose from the grave. He believed after Jesus rose from the grave. But all of his information was pre-Pentecost. The disciples didn't understand what the Holy Spirit was either until the day of Pentecost, 50 days or so after, uh, after the crucifixion, after Jesus rose from the, the dead. They didn't understand it either until the Holy Spirit came on them and they realized this is what it is. And Acts tells us about how the Holy Spirit proved the salvation of, uh, of others as they were baptized. So that's where he was, a heart that was changed, that followed Christ, that didn't understand everything. Priscilla and Aquila recognized his deficit, recognized the need, and what did they do? Well, they kicked him out of the church because he was wrong. That's what we do to people that are wrong. No, that's not what he did. They discipled him. They took him aside and they said, hey, man, you are on the right track. Man, bless you for sharing the gospel. But there's more to it that you haven't heard yet, that nobody's told you yet. There's this Holy Spirit. God sent his Holy Spirit. And they explained all these things to him, it says, and then verse 27, go. They explained this to him when he wanted, and I, I, I wish that word said then he wanted, but when he wanted to cross over to Achaia, the brothers and sisters wrote to the disciples to welcome him. So he's gone. He, he, he did the go. When he got to Ephesus, he realized that his information was incomplete. He got the grow, and immediately upon grow, he said, I want to go again. All right, y'all are here. This is good. I want to go over to Achaia and start telling people over there. Discipleship led to a desire to share the gospel. What did I say earlier? The number one indicator of whether or not you will share the gospel with somebody else is how much you spend 
uh, how much time you spend in God's Word. That is the number one indicator. And that discipleship, that growth, he now knew there's even more. This message is even better. We're not left alone. Jesus sent the, his Holy Spirit after he went to heaven. He sent his Holy Spirit down to indwell us and to fill us and to guide us and to lead us into all truth and to show us where to go and to help us through any situation. This message just got even gooder. And he wants to tell them about it. But not only did discipleship lead him to want to share the gospel, it led the church to want to commend him to share the gospel. Send him out. This boy's on fire. we got to get him somewhere where they need it more than we do. And I know that's a horrible statement to say, and don't, don't make that a prideful statement. That's not it. He knew that, or they knew that right here in this area, we are not saturated, but we've got it. The church in Sulphur should be able to reach Sulphur. We should be sending people to where the gospel isn't. We got to go across the street. We've got to go across the oceans too. And literally, that's what he did across the sea. He went to a whole other country. And the church said he has been discipled. He has grown. He has shown the desire to be discipled, the desire to spend time in scripture, the desire to share the gospel. So we need to send him out. See, his discipleship prepared him for that. His discipleship made him ready to go out with the gospel. Their discipleship, the church's discipleship, their collective growth enabled them to see it in him. How can we as a church, A, contribute to the discipleship of our new believers, and B, see how God is raising them up to take the gospel out of our area if we as the church aren't being discipled individually and collectively to begin with. We won't see it. We'll, we'll think they're nuts. We'll, we'll have grandparents suing their children for taking their grandchildren to a dangerous foreign country on, a mission, on the mission field. And if you think I made that up, you're wrong. It's happened. They would call it child endangerment and sue to have custody because there's no way God could be telling you to take my grandchildren to that country. That is a lack of discipleship on the grandparents' part. The children being obedient and the grandparents not. This church saw in him what God was doing in him. So he went, but then we see grow again in the rest of verse 27. After he arrived... He was a great help to those who by grace had believed. I, I, I guarantee you, he thought when he was going over to Achaia, which is where Athens and Corinth were, when he went over there, he thought he was going to be witnessing to all these lost people. And they were going to come to Christ. And, and they did, and he did. But the first thing we're told that he did was he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. He is discipling the people Paul witnessed to. He is discipling those believers that grew up under Paul's initial, Paul, Priscilla, and Aquila's initial year and a half ministry there in Corinth. 
Paul's going to say later on in writing a letter back to Corinth that I planted the seed. Apollos, what? Watered it, and God gave the increase. We see what Apollos was doing right here. Here is Apollos watering the seed of the gospel that Paul had planted. When he went with this idea of sharing the gospel, every church planter has this idea that they're going to plant the next biggest church. That they're, they're going to go out and they're going to go in a community and it's just going to boom, boom, boom. We're going to grow and it's going to be incredible and wow, they're going to write articles about us. And then later on, of course, I'll write a book and explain all the things I did uh, right and correctly that let, led us to plant a big church. And, and uh, then sometimes you have what happened to us when we planted a church and it goes <clears throat> and the only book you can write uh, I've, I've, had, I've got the title in my head um, Spruce Goose Baptist Church how many of you know what the Spruce Goose was it was a monstrosity that Howard Hughes built airplane biggest airplane ever barely got off the water it did for a little while and then landed, and that was it. Never took flight again. It was a, a, appeared to be a waste of time and money, but I guarantee you they learned a lot building that plane. Spruce Goose Baptist Church was what we planted. Never quite got off the water, but God taught us while we were there. We had the idea of what it was going to be, but instead we got to disciple people that came to be a part of that, grow them and grow us as we did it. See, Paul, or Apollos rather, knew that he wasn't merely discipled for his own gain. He wasn't going for his story. He wasn't going for his benefit. He wasn't going to plant this great church. He was going to do what God told him to do. And part of the go for him was to grow others, to water that seed. And then verse 28. We have a great verse of go grow. Two sides of the same coin, that, that, that uh, consecutive, uh-uh, concurrent, the, the concurrent going and growing of an individual. 1828, for he vigorously refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating through the scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah. This is our go grow his witness while he was in Corinth was evangelism and discipleship he was doing both things at the same time but he didn't stop growing he didn't stop learning he didn't stop being discipled. His ability to refute, he vigorously refuted the Jews in public, his ability to refute came from his time of learning. And I guarantee you, there were things that they would say, questions that they would ask, that he would go, uh-oh. Okay, that's a very good question. Let me get back to you on that. Write down the question. Go and study scripture some more. It, I don't know is a perfectly acceptable answer. Uh, Y'all have asked me questions before. Well, Michael, what do you think about that? I don't know. 
And I don't. It's not something I've studied. It's not something that's ever grabbed my attention. Uh, and, and some things uh, have, I have studied and have grabbed my attention that I come out of it going, I still don't know. I mean, if you ask me how the world's going to end and at what time period and all this stuff, I've talked about this before, I do not have an opinion on end time stuff. I mean, we can talk about pre-trib rapture, post-trib rapture, mid-trib rapture, uh, pre-millennial tribulation, post-millennial tribulation, amillennial. I mean, we can talk about all those things, and I am not going to declare a belief on any of them because I don't know. That is perfectly acceptable. But he went back and he studied Scripture. And he vigorously refuted them. But he didn't just do that. He demonstrated through the scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah. We can get way too deep and and comfortable yelling, you're wrong, without ever showing the truth. We've got a culture that we can yell at a lot about their wrongness. A, a lot about their sinfulness, a lot about all the different things that we find absolutely repulsive. But if we stop at refuting and don't move on to demonstrating, we are not being the church. We're just being legalists. And we could be condemning people to hell because we never share the truth. Apollos didn't just seek to win an argument. He sought to transform the lives of those to whom he was talking, with whom he was arguing. That's got to be our position. Grow, go, grow, go, grow, 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 until it's just one and the same. Until it's go, grow. We must go, grow. We must go and grow. If we look back at Apollos, at this narrative example here, we we see some principles to walk away with. We can't learn the scripture unless we study it. You will pick up bits and pieces in here. But how many of you remember what I preached? If I gave you a date, if I gave you the reference, if I gave you the sermon title from six months ago, how many of you think you could tell me in a couple of minutes, what I preached on. And no, it wasn't sin, and I was against it. That's Tom's message. You're going to get bits and pieces on Sunday morning. You're going to get bits and pieces in Sunday school. So you should be there. You're going to get bits and pieces when we start what we're going to call D groups, discipleship groups, in the fall. But you're going to get bits and pieces. If, if that's your time... That one hour on Sunday night, two hours on Sunday night, but nothing in between. You are not going to learn scripture. You're going to have to spend time in it. We have to spend time in God's word. Second principle, discipleship and evangelism are part of life as you go. As you go to the restaurant, as you go to the grocery store, as you go to work, as you go to school, as you go to wherever else it takes you, the beach, vacation, the mountains, wherever it is you're going, as you go, make disciples. I said last week, the Great Commission is not to therefore make converts. It's not to share that gospel, Jesus Christ 
buried for our sins, according to the scriptures, <clears throat> raised uh, on the third day, according to the scriptures. That's, that's the gospel, but it doesn't stop there. That's what happened to Apollos. He didn't have the rest of the story. And it's got to be a part of life that we spend time with people, that we disciple them. Thirdly, our, our knowledge is never complete. <clears throat> like Apollos, we're going to run into things that, that we didn't know about. I, I will, Lord willing, study scripture and preach it for the next 30-ish years or longer. I, I have no date to stop preaching. I have no retirement from the pulpit dates. And I hope, and if I'm honest, I will be just as in awe in 30 years when I'm 74 years old of God bringing a discussion from four months ago and a t-shirt logo and a Sunday school lesson and a couple other conversations and a discipleship idea all together on a Sunday morning because that's what he was doing when I had no clue. I want to be just as amazed about it then as I am now. You know what will get me there? Time in the scriptures. I'm saying, Lord, show me what you're saying. Fourthly, discipleship will compel making disciples. The more we are discipled, the more we will make disciples. That's the way it works. The more we will want to make disciples, the more we will evangelize. Our growth will lead to their growth. Number five, as we go, we'll find those that need to grow. We may think, I'm going to share the gospel with this person. And they're going to come to Jesus. And what we find is they're a believer. But there's something in scripture they don't understand. And you get to disciple them. And maybe it's a situation where you get to say, well, I'm going to be back in here next week. Let me go read these verses. Let's talk about it when I get back. That's discipleship. Number six. Michael, I don't know what to say when I, if people ask questions. Fear of going is overcome by growing. What if they say things I don't, I, what if they ask me a question I don't know the answer to? Spend time in God's word. Study his word. Be discipled. And they're still going to ask you questions you don't know the answer to. And say, I don't know. But I'm going to go back, I'm going to look it up and see if I can find that answer for, for you. The fear of going is overcome by growing. As we get closer to the Lord, we will no longer be fear, uh, fearful of sharing the gospel with people. And then lastly, God's design is learned when we go grow. God's design. That is God's design for us to go and grow. To grow and go. To go, grow, grow, go. That's what we are supposed to do. And we learn about the Lord and his will for our lives and his plan for other people as we do that. God's design was perfect. God's design was fully planned, fully thought out at the creation when he made man and woman. And then sin. And, and that is the story of every one of our lives. And then sin. God's design is always interrupted by sin. It, it is, it, it, that sin leads then to brokenness. Brokenness is us failing at God's design. And, 
and it happens over and over and over. And we think we can fix it, and we think we can figure it out. And so we have these ideas to, to fix the brokenness, and rarely does fixing the brokenness involve going and growing. Well, as soon as my life straightened out, then I'll come back to church. As soon as I've got everything figured out, then I'll tell people about Jesus. I beg to differ. I think the best message we can tell them is I don't have it all figured out. And let me tell you how broken my life is right now and how Jesus still sustains me and gets me through. That is a gospel message. That is, that is the message of God's, broken, of, of God's design being messed up by brokenness, but us seeing the fix in the gospel and repenting and believing, that is an incredible message to a broken world. I have the fix. I have what your heart needs. And then we begin to recover and pursue God's design. And we start it all over again. We, we grow and we go. When we go, we grow. And when we grow, we will want to go. This morning, do you need to grow? Maybe, maybe I'm watering a seed. Maybe the seed of the gospel's already been planted, and, and you need to respond to that message this morning. Maybe you're hearing the gospel really for the first time, that Jesus loves you, died for you, and, and calls you to repent of your sins, to trust him for salvation. Maybe, maybe that's the first time you've heard that, and you want to come and talk to Tom, who'll be down here, or me, I'll be over there. Maybe you just need to grow. Maybe as a believer, you need to get back into discipleship. You need to give him some things this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. That your message, your word is fresh. The call is clear. And you continue to work on our hearts. God, I pray this morning that in this time of reflection, of response, that you would work on every heart. how we as individuals, how we as a community of faith need to go and grow and how I individually need to accomplish that. Lord, speak to our hearts as we sing. We pray for a mighty moving of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So what's your decision this morning? How do you need to respond? Tom and I would love to pray with you. Let's stand, let's sing. And you allow God to work on your heart as you do business with him this morning.